0: All right. I am so excited for today's conversation because today we have Carrie Smith, who's one of my good friends from this whole culture change revolution type side of things. Um, she, I attended her wedding a couple of years ago. She is formerly super woke, not anymore. We're going to talk about that for sure, too. Carrie has big stuff going on. Carrie, how are you doing and what are you talking about lately?
1: Lydia, <laughs> it's so good to see you. I'm so excited for you. I feel like you and I have both been th- uh through so much like life changes and stuff in the past few years. so uh I love checking in with you. um what am i what have I got going on? My husband and I are renovating this hundred and something year old house that no one has lived in for the past thirty something years. So that's a big project while we're living in it, we're doing it. Um, we're doing a lot ourselves, whatever we can figure out ourselves, we're doing um, my, I'm coming up on a year of my deep program podcast. We're having a big live stream celebration. It may have already happened by the time this airs. I don't know when this is airing, but um, we're going to do a big live stream celebrating that. And um deprogrammed for anyone who's not familiar is a show that I do kind of exploring my old ideology, social justice. So I do interviews with people like academics, journalists, comedians, um, knitters, a lot of knitters, uh, dancers, artists, musicians, whoever, uh, to talk about Woke from different angles. And uh, and then we do a, a, a live show where we kind of hang out and talk about what's in the news. And on Wednesday nights, I have a co-host and we do a fun pop culture show because he's a he, he has a fountain of information about entertainment and he's a super nerd. And so Wednesday nights, we kind of have a bit of fun doing that. So that's what I'm doing.
0: That is amazing. You are doing a lot of stuff and I love all of it. Um, Carrie, your Twitter for deprogrammed is underscore deprogrammed, right? Yes. Cool. And then you're at real Carrie Smith over on Twitter too. Very cool. Well, I am stoked for today because As you said, we've both kind of been through various life stages together, which is always fun to do. That's how the best friendships are forged. We do not talk with each other enough because we are both so busy, (laughs) but this will be kind of our chance to catch up with each other and we will kind of unpack some of the positive changes we've been seeing because there are some. I know that people have been really focused on the negative, especially since yesterday's horrible events, but there are good things that we're working toward and I think that we are coming up on kind of the collapse of woke culture. What do you think about that? Do you see signs in the cracking of the, the ideological capture that we have right now, or is it only going to get worse before it gets better?
1: I think both. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Uh, No, it is. I think it is collapsing. That's, that's for sure. Because in the past few years, I mean, look at how many voices, how many people have added their voices now to critiquing woke in all these different areas. Like I mentioned, Um, In the knitting world, in the gaming world, in the uh, comic book world, in entertainment, um, academia, the media. There's so many different people who are bringing their perspective and who are overcoming any fear they might have against speaking publicly, any wrong think, you know, beliefs. There's so many people talking now. And I think that's because um, there's the space to do so. It's become a little safer to do so. And that'll just keep increasing. However, to your point about will it get worse or it gets better, I do tend to think that because woke ideology is in its death throes, it doubles down a lot when it's threatened. And uh, it, I think it's going to get worse in some ways uh, necessarily to in order to wake more people up. Like if you look throughout history, whenever there's an evil ideology or belief system or movement that takes hold, a lot of times it seems like there have had there's had to be some kind of catastrophic event or something really awful on a mass scale to wake the majority of people up. And so sometimes I fear that, that, that there could be some kind of economic collapse that we're heading towards or something that really forces people to grapple with reality again.
0: That's a great observation. That's something I've been saying too. And I'm not sure that people really fully understand what I'm saying. When I go on like lives of TikTok's tweets and I'm like, Hey, you know what solves this problem of having too much free time and too much potential to focus on oneself? Actual hardship. Yes. And we've not faced that in the U S in decades. And we've been so lucky. We've been living in such good times, but it's made us very frail and very narcissistic, even the best of us are much probably much more self centered than our great grandparents ever were because we can be um, and and you look at when you give somebody the potential to be self centered human beings are fallen we 're flawed we 're very very um, susceptible, and we 're going to go for it unfortunately that 's just kind of the way humans are now people who are kind of self aware are going to stop and say, "Hey, am, am I being more self-centered than I should be?" But even then, it's very, very hard to stop, to fight against it, right, to actually combat it, especially when it's just you kind of against yourself. Like, I was mentioning trauma bonds the other day, and I think that not being familiar with yourself and how you're actually feeling, like what you're really responding to, you are a mystery to yourself that you have not fully unpacked. And I think that's happening A lot more than we realize. Um, The other thing I think that we're seeing probably more than we realize that we no longer have a name for is something like guilt. And I don't mean collective guilt. I mean personal guilt, like feelings that I made the wrong choice and that I affected other people in ways that I don't fully understand. I personally, of course, being strongly pro-life, think that a lot of that probably stems from the fact that so many people have gotten abortions, that they then... They don't process properly and they transfer it to every other part of their life and they never understand where that comes from. And I have a great deal of compassion for that because that's a tough, tough situation to be in. And I, if you are comfortable talking about feminism, I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of the problem in feminism is that these women have been lied to basically from birth about everything they are and how significant they are and the kind of role they can play. Like, sorry, my cat is here. He's very distracting. (laughs) He wants to join in. Um, Women have been told that they can and must be everything. So how do we push back on that stuff? And how do we kind of introduce to people the idea that they have to get in touch with who they are in order to make a positive difference in the change, uh, change in the world? And how do we convince them that they need to do that?
1: There's a lot of
0: questions. What,
1: uh, I'm going to start with the know, first yeah. one, and you remind me if I forget some. Okay. Uh, my My brain was thinking your cat was there. I was thinking a funny joke. Your cat's like, <laughs> feminism, that's what yeah, I know fem- about. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> women, specialties. ladies. Yes. No,
1: <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> um, well, feminism, yeah, I actually feel – hey, kitty. I feel that I was one of those women who was lied to um, and – because I was woke for 20 years. I was in. I, I, I got into social justice, which is what we used to call woke. I got into it through the feminist door. But I like to think of it as the way I describe it sometimes to people is it's sort of like a big tent and there's lots of different doors I, and they're all identity doors, right, into this one belief system. Uh, there's the feminist door, the women door. There's the black door the the uh, the race door if you if you will, the gay door, the trans door, there's the fat door, the mental health door, all these different identity doors so the way in which I got into it was the feminist door and you know someone who being someone who took a few years to leave that ideology and in my starting in around my late thirties and now I'm in my early forties I I, myself, and many women I know who are my age are now grappling with, oh, I do want kids. Holy crap. And um, I know there will be some people who hear this who are like, yeah, duh, you idiot. You know, people don't have compassion who are like, oh yeah, you believed all that stuff. And I get it, I get it. You know, good for you. You figured it out when I didn't. But one of the things I try to do now is I think about, what lessons could, if I could talk to my younger self, what are some things I would say? And then I try to say some of those things on my podcast in case there's any young people listening. And one of those things is feminism. It, it puts a lot of bad ideas, I think, in a person's head. Or it tells you a lot of myths that aren't necessarily true. Maybe there's some truth. There's a kernel of truth in there. But the grand narrative is not true. And one of those things that... um I picked up while I was in it there there were so many women in in my social circle and working in entertainment which is where I was working um there were so many people in entertainment and I had friends in journalism and, and you know all of these different career women who we felt like oh you can wait you can have kids much later and there was this um disdain almost for people who had kids at a young age there was this disdain for getting married young and um sort of a looking down the nose at People calling them breeders, you know, thinking you're smarter than them. You're making better choices. Uh, you have, you know, you, you're wiser and more worldly and you have a career. And, uh, and now I think a lot of those women, even if they haven't left woke Lydia, they're questioning all that. I listened to, I'll say this real quick. I was listening to a podcast sometime in the past couple months called Dear Sugars. And it's with Cheryl Strayed, and I forget her male co-host, but they did two episodes of women in their forties who were calling in and um, expressing fear and panic and anxiety about finding a husband in their forties, and not just a husband. Some of them want kids now, and they and this is a leftist show coming from the left perspective, and they were they brought on. a Uh, I think he was an economist. They brought on some kind of uh, expert who was talking about, no, there really is. You're not imagining it. There's a dearth of of available single men once you – and he was talking about the economy, the marketplace of dating, right, and freaking a lot of these leftist women out. Yeah. And so guess who they brought on? The other expert they brought on the show to counsel these women. Who? Lena Dunham oh
2: seriously <laughs> what
1: and i was like no what? she's not gonna be able to help you to no. make it worse to make it worse wow anyway that was a lie but the point being i think a lot of women who bought into some of these feminist myths even if they haven't left woke they're still in it but now reality is forcing them to come uh, to come to grips with the fact that they they may be bought into things that they shouldn't have you know They're in their 40s and they're like, am I just imagining it? But it seems like there's not a lot of single available good men. And you're like, yeah. And am I just imagining it? It seems like I may not have much more time to have a family. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, you're not imagining it. (laughs) Well, they were also told that they could do things like freeze their eggs or they could get a surrogate or whatever. And it's like, so sometimes that works. And when it does, it's great. But that's not one of those things you can depend on. Um, the best way to do it as is the case with most things is to do it the way that nature has done it for thousands of yes. years, which is just the normal way and that means you know finding a a partner early and developing and growing with them and making sure you have shared interests and needs uh, uh, needs that you can meet for one another. but I think that yeah, I think that's a great point. I am very disturbed they brought in Lena Dunham, but Hello. I think <laughs> what <laughs> she didn't she just have didn't she just have a child? Or was that, am I thinking of Amy Schumer? Oh, I get them so mixed I up. I don't in think my it head. was Lena Dunham. Okay. Yeah. I think she's still single and not a very happy person, which is too bad, but definitely not the kind of person that you should be bringing in to talk about, you know, how to make positive life choices when you're getting older as a lady. There is such an interesting movement on the feminist side of the aisle that I've been noticing that gives me a lot of optimism. And that is that women are starting to notice that um, the things that feminism told them that they could do are not true. You can't have it all. It turns out you have to kind of prioritize what you actually want in life, which means you really need to think about it. Um, you need to think through what's really important to you. And I will share this very personal story for myself. When I was 22, 21 or 22, I actually went to my OB and I said, I would like to have my tubes tied. I don't want to have kids. So I had five siblings and I had helped, functionally helped raise four of them because, you know, when you have that many kids, it's hard to make sure that they're all, you know, given the same amount of attention and everything. And you have to kind of delegate some of the housework, which is exactly what my mom did. No blame there. But by the time I was 21, I was like, I'm not having kids. Never going to happen. I'm never going to change my mind. And my OB said, And I'm not sure if she would say this today. You are too young. You are making Mm. the wrong choice too early or you're making a choice. that's just too early. You're going to change your mind. And I was at the time somewhat offended. I was like, Oh, I feel somewhat feminist right now, but because I think that's really (laughs) unfair for her to say to me, but thank goodness. She did say that. Very glad that she wasn't, wasn't willing to bend to my young person's whims. Um, thankful also that I lived in a conservative city when I was that age and there was a possibility of getting a doctor who would say that. But I think that having a doctor like that is really kind of a wake-up call or should be a wake-up call for young ladies who are like, no, I don't want kids. I'm never going to want kids. For someone older than you to stop you and say, I think you might be making this decision a little bit prematurely, You know, continue to be safe and have the right mindset about having children uh, in the immediate future. But don't make permanent decisions about this right now. Um, I think that's sorely lacking. And I think that having a voice like that, that's just going to actually tell you the truth is super helpful. So the other part of that question was how do we convince these ladies to start paying close attention to what they actually think and feel instead of what society is telling them they should think and feel because We see a lot of the, oh, you want to work, you want to be a career woman. And a lot of them now are saying, no. No. How can we kind of expedite that? Is there any way to do that? Well, I think that that may naturally happen because
1: people tend to, well, young people anyway, gravitate towards whatever is maybe counterculture or anti status quo. And so now, What's counterculture is what's traditional. <laughs> so so monogamy, marriage, all of these things, having kids, that's counterculture. I just saw a study yesterday, a headline, and I think it was the New York Post, maybe. And the headline was, in a new survey, Americans say that they are less interested in Patriotism and kids right. and all these things. And and it was a huge jump. Actually I looked at the article and and the percentage difference was enormous over the past I think it was ten to twenty years. And so that's the norm now. The norm is not to care about religion or God, not to not to want to have kids, um, you know, not to want to be married so what's counterculture is to want those things yeah and that's going to become it's cyclical that's going to become more attractive to people I think just naturally and maybe we have to do a better job of presenting it as such like this is what's punk rock kids like you know what (laughs) you know what it's um how about maybe having concern for your your mental health and your well-being and your physical health and all of these things that That in my generation, I'm a little bit older than you, but we didn't care as much about those. I was on the tail end of Gen X and it was sort of, in some ways we were left to our own devices and everybody was sort of experimenting at a young age with drugs and alcohol and cigarettes and all these things that were bad for our physical health. And there was also this attitude of like, you know, we don't need to get married and we can just cohabitate and I don't even know if we want kids. And like I said, that whole disdain at looking down at people who coupled up and and started families and so I sort of think maybe these younger kids are going to be the opposite they're going to rebel against that and so and be a little bit like um yeah and look at how you guys turned out you have crippling anxiety and depression rates and um you know skyrocketing suicide rates and all like like yeah. there's a lot of issues happening culturally like maybe we took a wrong turn. Yes. Right?
0: I think you might be right. And that's something I've been thinking about too. First of all, you're completely correct about the counterculture now being A form of pragmatic conservatism where you look at the world and you're like, I think what might actually make me really happy and fulfilled is not just to pursue my own whims and pleasure, but to try to contribute to my community and to try to find a way to have a family um, and to make myself a better person so that I can find a good spouse, Um, And I'm not sure if we're to that point yet, um, but I think that we're getting a little bit closer as people start to kind of notice that outsized narcissism is really not the way forward and ridiculous hedonism is incredibly empty and kind of meaningless at the end of the day. And that's kind of exciting because I think that people are going to notice that and then there will be kind of this pendulum swing in the other direction. I don't want it to maybe go too far the other way, but I think that maybe we could strike a happy medium. What do you think about that? Are we ever going to find that happy medium? I don't know if we'll find the happy
1: medium, but I think <laughs> you're right that people are starting to question that way of life. I, you made me think of, I just, before I met my husband, I, I, I was married previously. And um, after my divorce, I briefly dated this guy who I would describe as a hedonist and a narcissist.
0: <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> and but I was living that way at that time. And right. so you, I you was attracted you... conscious, yes. And I had a lot of self shame. Mm-hmm. And I was uh he's he's an alcoholic in my opinion. I was an alcoholic. I've been sober now three and a half years.
0: Congratulations.
1: Um, thank you. But I you know, I was living in that sort of hedonist lifestyle with this guy and I remember when I started having I started questioning all this stuff and not just my ideology but my whole the whole way of looking at the world the whole nature of what is a human are we I started contemplating questions I'd never really thought about before like what's the meaning of life are we do we have souls what's a soul like are we more than our physical body and our computer brain is there a god like I was desperate desperate for god and for meaning. I started going to a spiritual center. I'd never been to one before. I was like, and that led me on this path of going to different types of churches. And anyway, I remember asking at one point when I, after I'd met this guy and was dating him and I was still in the middle of figuring things out and I was on that path. Right. And I asked him like, what do you think is the, the meaning of life? And he was like, you know, good sex, good wine and traveling. Hmm. And I was thinking about that. I'm like that's that that's not meaning. those are pleasures. you just vimes and pleasures, yeah, those are pleasures, that's not meaning, yeah, so you're ultimately that's a nihilistic and hedonistic lifestyle, and like, no wonder you're so empty. And so I started sort of seeing myself as I guess all the ways in which I was different than him or wanted more than him, and the things I was thinking about that he wasn't thinking about, and I'm like. I, I I, kind of bounced off of that a little bit. At, at some point, I finally rejected it, completely rejected him, because <laughs> it was like, I I want more than this. I want more than an empty, hedonistic series of pleasures before I die. I want pleasures, yes, but I want deeper meaning, and I want um, to know that like I'm working on my soul, and I'm working to make myself a better human. And, and I think a lot of SJWs, people who are caught up in these bad ideologies, deep down, they do want that. That's why it's attractive to some good hearted people, because it tells them this is a way to be good in the world, right? You know, this is the way to be anti racism and sexism and all this stuff. It's a really false way to do that. But they get pulled in for that because
0: deep down, they do want that meaning. Yes, you know. I think you put your finger on it. And one of the things that I was noticing with that headline about how patriotism and desire for family and for all these actually objectively positive things is dropping is people kept asking, what are we replacing it with? And I was thinking, well, we have narcissism and that gives us that temporary high of feeling like I'm the most important thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to listen to, what I say about my pronouns. You will address me as such and such, etc. cetera. Um, I am the center of the world, which is fantastic because I'm so great. I'm perfect and no one can tell me otherwise. And then you have the hedonism of this pursuit of this wonderful pleasure, all these cool things that we can do in our day and age. But at the end of the day, people do realize that that's not meaning like, and that's yeah. why I think some of the ladies who are getting into their forties are like, man, I should have thought about maybe having a family and I should have thought about getting married. And it's, that's so hard. It's hard to watch because you're like, man, I could have told you that. Um, (laughs) But that's the other thing too, is that you can't make someone realize this. Like they kind of have to figure it out Mm -hmm. on their own terms, which is hard. I know it's hard to watch sometimes. Like I have brothers, so I I am familiar with the concept of letting people figure things out for themselves. Like my family's very stubborn, exceedingly hardheaded and it's good. It's great for some things. And then for the rest of life, it's like, wow, you really had to learn that the hard way, but you know what? It's the way people learn. (laughs) Yes.
1: I think, I think not everyone's like that though. So I definitely have to learn things the hard way and reinvent the wheel. Right. My life up until now proves that. Yes. So, but I remember, I was talking about this in my pastor once. And he was that way too. He he was an atheist for a long time in his adulthood before he found God. And he was like, not everyone had to go through that, uh, all these very hard life lessons to arrive at truth. Some people actually learn from the mistakes of others and can see that and take um, and can learn from that. And And wow, wouldn't it be amazing to be one of those people? Like where you're like wise enough to look at, the mistakes of others and learn from it. Right. Whereas I feel like, and I try to do that now, now that I'm cognizant of the fact that I tend to have a lot of unnecessary pain because I insist <laughs> on, it's an analogy. It's like, um, someone on a stream I was on the other night was talking about, you know, as a parent, they were saying, I have to teach my kid, don't touch the hot stove. Don't put your hand on the hot stove. But for some kids, they won't learn that lesson until they do touch the hot stove, to. regardless of what you said. Yeah, and I was I was thinking about that I'm like, holy crap! I'm the person who touches the hot <laughs> stove. You, you told me a hundred times, don't touch. It. I'm like, but why not? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like how do I know reason? you're telling
0: the truth, right? Like
1: Exactly. Let me see if it really burns. Oh shit! It burns. Yep, okay.
0: Yep.
2: Whoops.
1: <laughs> now I know. That's what, yes, and when I found when I finally started reading the Bible and like looking at the stuff Jesus said, that's how I thought about the stuff Jesus said. It's like, um holy crap. He said, don't lie. Like, why didn't I listen to that? Or, you know,
2: like, like all
1: these different ways of living that he's like, Hey, these are uh, some guidelines to help you out. Like the best way of living. And for so long, I looked at those as these sort of authoritarian restrictions. Right. And now I don't look at them that way. I look at them when he's like, Hey, don't have sex before marriage. Maybe because why? Because it's good for you not to do that. Like not to become chemically and emotionally bonded to someone that that's not a good life partner. Yeah, Your body produces oxytocin when you have sex with someone, you become emotionally connected to them. The more you have sex with them, maybe it's a good idea not to do that until you're like, hey, this is a person I want to spend my life with.
0: Right. Well, that's the reason that it is prescribed for marriage is because you want to strengthen that bond. You shouldn't yeah. take something that's going to strengthen that bond and then do it with whoever. That's such a terrible yes. practice. And I'm optimistic. I'm I don't see it happening anytime soon, but I think that people are going to start to notice that maybe sex is better when you don't do it all the time with everything that moves. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully it's going to be a while. I'm pretty sure on that one. But so you mentioned, okay, so I want to go back to this a little bit. You mentioned the looking at these different kinds of churches. Now, when Andy and I first started talking about like the role of spirituality in our, in our lives and the importance for our culture to be spiritual and to be focused on some kind of higher power, we went to a bunch of different ones too. We went to a Quaker church. That was really interesting. Oh, cool. Really interesting. Um, I think it was Benjamin Franklin who went to a Quaker meeting and he would he didn't know what to expect and he ended up falling asleep. We didn't know what to expect either. So when you go to a Quaker meeting, you sit in silence. It's great. It's really an interesting experience cuz wow. you can you can believe whatever you want to believe, but when it comes to Quaker time, you're going to go and you're going to chill and you're going to support each other as a community. You're going to listen to each other's concerns and triumphs and you're going to listen to whatever they have to say about, you know, the world, that kind of their experience of it. But for the most part, you're just going to be quiet. And I found that so interesting. Wait, like and everybody's quiet? Yep. You sit in a room and you're just kind of meditating or whatever. It's like meditation. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no like prescription for that. You can do exactly as you see fit. Um. And I wanted to just like read my Bible or something, but I was like, no, I feel like we're here now. We should focus just on you know, observing the room. It was a really nice summer day. The windows were open and everything. It was very peaceful. I was like, I feel like everyone would kind of benefit from doing this kind of thing. Um but that was my experience with that. And then Andy has a background with like visiting, you know, Buddhist monasteries or whatever. And that's really interesting too. We ended up settling so I was raised in the Presbyterian church. Um, so we ended up with one of those here because that's what I'm familiar with, and they strike me right now as like most conservative and the most focused mm. on what's actually taught in the Bible, which is awesome. Um, what kind of <laughs> church did you go to? Sorry, pardon my cat once again. <laughs> Hello, would you like to contribute? Thank you. Uh, what kind of churches did you go- end up going to, and then what did you learn from that, and what did you settle on? Well, yeah. So the first church I went to was
1: in Los Angeles before I moved to Texas. I was going to uh, it's called Agape, and. Um, it is huge. In L.A., it's a it's a non-denominational kind of spiritual center. Oprah Winfrey is good friends with the, the pastor there, the minister, uh, Michael Bernard Beckwith. That's his name. He's got a ton of books and videos. And the first – that's the only place I would have gone to at the beginning. I never would have walked into a church like I go to now because I had so many – prejudices about Christianity and I had been inoculated against it in so many ways. And I thought I knew what it was and I thoroughly rejected it. Right. I was very prejudiced towards Christianity. So, um, at that center, the very first service, I'm a full, a firm believer in like, God can talk to you in a myriad of ways and places. It doesn't have to be a biblically sound church for you to, for God to speak to you. Um, and in that church, that first service, it was like, I broke down crying. I had this, I felt like God saw me and was talking to me. There was a thing that the, that Bernard Beckwith said. He was like, God wants to know you and have a relationship with you. And God wants to see the face that he gave you before your parents were born. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks because at that point I had I think because I had so much of my identity, I think, I think all this, a lot of this war with the reality stuff we're in right now, a lot of the social justice stuff comes down to, we have an identity crisis. People have, they're being told their identity is all these things that it's not. And, you know, your identity is your race, or your sex, your sexuality, or all these things that happen to you or all these. And no, I don't think any of that's true. Um, and, 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 I had had this identity, part of my identity at that point had been wrapped up in being this, um, a kid who had been abused and i had viewed myself as that way and when he said god wants to see the face that he gave you before your parents were born it was like something cut that cord for me of like you are eternal like you know that bible verse about like i formed you in the womb but yeah. like that god knows who you were at the beginning and the end it's there was something in the way he said that that just was like there is a part of you that's connected to the creator and that's an eternal part of you and it has no beginning or end. And it really was like, you're not constrained. Your identity is not who you, you know, uh, who you are in terms of race or sex or sexuality or whatever. And it's also not who you are in terms of like what things have happened to you or what mistakes you've made or any of that. That's not my identity and my accomplishments or my failures. That's not who I am. I believe now where I've come to now is like my identity is I am a child of God. That's it. And that's great. That's it. And that's simple. And that's, that's kind of that message I got in that first service. And then since then, just, I won't be as long with the others, but I visited all kinds of, I was going there for a while. Um, When I moved to Texas, I found another spiritual center. It was kind of like that. Um, I went to a Catholic church for a while. I, there were some great things. I had never been to a Catholic church before. And there was some, great things about that i think in terms of tradition and ritual and um the meditative purpose of some kinds of prayers and the yeah. rosary and stuff and then i went to a cowboy church during the lockdown where the i'm serious if you got in texas the preachers on the horseback giving the sermon <laughs> and there's like fiddles and banjos That's and great. stuff. that was freaking awesome <laughs> and now now i go to a um Uh, my, my church is non-denominational. Just, I would just say Bible believing church. I guess people would call us evangelical. I don't know, but um, it's called church on the square. And my pastor, he's like a mix between Jordan Peterson and CS Lewis.
0: That's amazing. Bradley
1: Helgerson. That's his name. Anyway.
0: Yeah. I got to visit your church. It was a really, really neat experience. Everyone was so nice. Yeah. Yeah, So warm. That was like, I think the day after your wedding, I got to Mm -hmm. go, which was a lot of fun and I appreciated being invited, but it's so wonderful that you were able to like reconnect with this actual true identity as a human being. And I think that part of the reason that we're part of the reasoning we're seeing for this war on religion and true faith is that I think the people who are behind the ideological warfare we're seeing realize that if people were in tune with some of these core beliefs that you can find very clearly outlining Christianity, they would want nothing to do with this kind of fake, hollow, identitarian stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's something I feel at our church, too. I'm like, what we see there so exceedingly transcends politics and all this current yeah. events stuff. It's like, it's so refreshing. It's like, there's a focus on the fact that we're sinners and the fact that God cares about us and he's going to guide us in the right ways. If we'll listen to him, we just need to focus on listening to him and trying to follow him more fully um, and learning about Jesus and what he did as a pastor and everything. It's, it's so such a relief to be outside of this culture war stuff and to just be focused on these beliefs that built the West. Um, I think that most people who discard Christianity so flippantly don't fully understand that the reason that they're able to live in such a free society and discard religion and Christianity so, so out of hand is because our culture is built on Christianity, right? All of these principles. I'm like, well, and, and people have made this argument against like Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris. They're like, you know, the only reason that you're allowed to say these things is because you live in a society that is based on something you claim to hate. So I think we should keep that in mind for sure. But at the same time, I do think they should be free to say it. I think that all ideas should be welcome because good ideas actually will win. Um, so In that regard, I'm super optimistic about where we're at right now. I like, I feel like people are going to have kind of the same revelation you had where you're like, it's not about my superficial identitarian, you know, who I am as a, a female or, you know, fill in the blank, um, my other identity, um, as you would probably call it, identity crisis checkboxes, because that is what we're having. Like it's all about identity. Yeah, there's there's nothing else, but we we can see how shallow that is. So do you think people are going to start going to church in mass or is the church too kind of far off in the weeds? Because I have some complaints about the church for sure. I do too, but I do think, well, first of all, I know a lot of people who
1: are atheists or were very recently atheists, who are becoming open to or have become open to the concept of God, like I did. And even those who are still atheists, who are much more open-minded, like my friend Clifton Duncan, who I think, you know, today tweeted something about how he used to be so prejudiced against Christianity. He's still atheist, but he's very open towards those who are religious now and have religious beliefs, spiritual beliefs. That's, I know so many people that's happening to and, um, and I think a part of that comes from this desire to know truth and to have meaning. And you're going to start to see more of that. However, much like your first question about it's a little of both, um, I, I'm a pretty new Christian. So I didn't realize how thoroughly woke a lot of the church had become. It's so bad. It's and, horrible. Yes. And when I started, it's funny because when I started this path and I mentioned all the churches, I was different churches I was going to, when I when I moved to Texas, I remember I was hanging out with some people in Austin, and I mentioned you know at that point, I think I was going to the Catholic Church, maybe, but I was mentioning different churches I was trying. There was also a an evangelical church I was trying in Austin um uh, for a while and I mentioned this, and this person I was talking to who I think was probably woke, they were like, "Oh, you should come to my church, you'd love it, it's so inclusive, and it's all about social justice and da 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 and I'm like, no."
0: No, 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 that's way. exactly
1: <laughs> what I'm trying to get away from. Yeah. I'm looking for God. I'm not looking for that shit that I just left. And, you know, I just like, what? And that was the first inkling of an idea that, that woke would, I think I had that woke was in churches. Cause I just didn't know at that time. Yeah. Now yeah. I know like it's in a lot of churches. It is. It's troubling. But, it really is. Yeah.
0: Like that's, that, sorry, go on. Well, I just think that
1: those churches are going to fail because Because this movement that's happening now, like at the very beginning, you said, are we winning? Are we making progress in the culture war? Yes, we are. And people are looking, I think, increasingly, it's going to be people looking for truth and meaning. And so this is going to be a time of, you know, separating the wheat from the chaff. And those social justice bullshit churches, pardon my French, they're going to fall by the wayside because they're not offering anything that the world's not offering. They're giving you the same thing the culture's giving you, but wrapped up in Jesus it, I'll get angry about this lady. It's one
2: of the few things <laughs> I get really angry
1: about, but I cannot stand these woke preachers who are wrapping up bullshit in, in the name, in the, in God. That's they like are. the worst thing in the Bible. Jesus is like, it would be better for them. That's who he's talking about. That's right. It, it yeah. would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their ankles and be thrown into the sea than for them to lead any of these little children astray. Cause that's what they're doing. They're taking yeah. you down this path towards Satan while pretending it's about God that makes me angry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get,
0: no, I am exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I'm in the same boat. Like this is what I was looking for. And the reason that we go to the church that I was raised in right now is because they don't put up with any of that. Uh, Carrie, they don't even have female pastors. They are good. Serious. (laughs) They're serious about this. Like I, right. And I, I feel like, I feel like that might sound exclusionary, but at the same time, that's something the Bible says to do yes and they are they're kind of the the kind of church that's like you know what doesn't have to make perfect sense it doesn't have to be fully modern if the bible says that's what we're supposed to do that's what we're going to do and i was Lydia, like yeah yeah can
1: i just say <laughs> yeah, this is one of the reasons i love talking to you because we i always end up saying something on air that i haven't really said yet but that i've privately been thinking about and you're right there with me and i'm like good you yeah. get me and i don't even have to explain it to you but i know some viewers or people who are listening to your show may not get it and I'll just say this, it's, it's what you just said. I may not agree with it. Um, I may not understand why God says this, but my job as a Christian is to trust and have faith in Jesus, not to try and use my human intellect and my emotional reasoning and what I wish were the case to like work backwards and try and justify it. Like for example, I used to do that before I finally submitted and accepted that God didn't want me to have sex before marriage. I used to do that with that. I was like, yeah, but maybe you know. if you do, no, God <laughs> says don't and trust it. And, and so the same thing with, you know, in the new Testament, those verses about, um, you know, women not preaching, I may on a gut level be like, but why, why, What? Right. you know, and try and justify why it's wrong. And I think, Personally, I think I'd be sinning if I did that. I don't have to understand it yet. I just know that that's in there for a reason. That maybe I don't get yet. Maybe one day I will get it. Like I right. now, I think I get why the prohibition on premarital
0: sex is there. Right. So, well, who knows what what Who knows what else we find out down the road? Hey, you know what? There really is a reason that we shouldn't do that. You know, I yeah. I I think that if you are like you were saying, if you are a Christian, then part of what's going to inform the way you respond to things is simply faith. And you don't have to fully explain it, which is a load off because we can't always explain everything. Um, And that's always going to be the case. So we just need to come to terms with that. Now, faith isn't necessarily blind, but it is the understanding that you're not going to know everything that's going into everything, but that's okay. You can trust that God has your best Interest at heart, because, as you were saying earlier, he knew you before you know you were knit together in the womb, and it's 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 very freeing in a way that I think that the the left the the very woke left is fighting so hard against it because if people knew how freeing it was to realize that you don't have to understand everything that you don't have to yeah. be able to explain everything. You can have faith and you can trust that the person who created you cares about what you're going through on a micro level, like on the most personal level imaginable. People would not want anything to do with leftism. And when I go to church, it's like, thank goodness there is not wokeness here because if there was, it would feel just like the rest of the world, but it doesn't. And yeah. it's, it's so, it's very freeing. It's like, Hey, you know what? I feel like I can actually focus on trying to get to the heart of life and truth. And I think that objectivity is going to be what saves the church. Do you think there's enough of that left in the American church to actually yeah. attract people to it? Yes. And, so? and I think, yeah. And
1: I think um, even, you know, Jordan Peterson has been helping to attract a lot. He was sort of bridge for me to Christianity, yeah. even though at the time he wasn't, talking as much about god as he does now i mean he was but not as much as he does now and um i think i think like i said the people are hungry for truth and meaning and god is truth. Mm. and if they're if they're going down that path in search of truth they may not be at the place yet where they're ready to call it god or they might be in that place i was in for a long time where i would talk about the universe the universe is giving me a lesson right you know that's okay i i have I understand what that person means when they say that I understand that they're talking about God, whether they do or not. Right. That's what I think truth is. So the more that people are desperate for truth, the more they're going to be pushed, they're going to be pulled towards God. That's just the way I view it. I was pulled. I feel like, I feel like God was pulling me and I was, you know, the route I took was circuitous to get here because again, I would never have walked into a thoroughly Christian church at the beginning. Um, and, but, but I had this compulsion in me of like, I, I just want to understand things better and I want to know who I am and I want to know the meaning of the meaning of life. It sounds so cheesy, but that was it. It was like, what is this? Who are we? Why are we here? All of those big questions, right? I had them. It was bothering me. I was, I remember I was texting a friend. I would be, I, I was working out a lot at the time. I need to do that again. But I was at the gym at 7 a.m. Like texting my friend, like, do you think we have a soul? And she's like,
0: it's 7 in the morning. <laughs> you Leave you me alone. <laughs> like, That's great. Bothering me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially when you're working out, especially if you're doing cardio, for one thing, you have a little bit of free time to let your mind wander. But yeah, there's that feeling when you go to a church for someone who's truly looking, there's this feeling that there's something here. And I'm not sure what it is, but it's something that transcends all the various ways that humans can muck up religion because I'll mm-hmm. be the first to admit that people can really get it wrong and I saw a little oh, yeah. bit of that because i was I was raised super conservative, very grateful that it prevented me from ever ending up in a public school and from ever being abused, which incredibly grateful for, but I also felt that it kind of hampered my development a little way a little bit because I wasn't you know, really engaging with the culture in a way that would now, for example, allow me to engage much better with my peers and make good friends and all that good stuff. But still grateful. Mm-hmm. And I can see how it could have been twisted to kind of give people a hard time when they were growing up. I saw a lot of that when I saw kids leaving homeschooling. They were like, I remember there was a lot of vitriol toward Matt Walsh, of all people, even back then in like 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. I was like, who's Matt Walsh? They're like, we hate him. And I was like, what What are you talking about? You're just, you know, there, there was a certain group of people that would leave conservatism and just have this insane reaction to it. Like Mm. super big backlash, drugs, drinking, parties, everything that they had been denied. I was more like that stuff doesn't seem very fun. I'm going to try to find a job and get my own apartment. That'd be really fun to all of this ridiculously responsible (laughs) stuff, which now sounds to most people probably super boring, but Yeah. So it's like, I think that when you find a church that is fully engaged with actually trying to pursue God, even if they're not doing it perfectly, you can tell there's something there. And the people there are kind of awake and alert and paying attention and really trying to puzzle out where the good is and how to push back on the bad. So you do think that the American church can be salvaged. I personally have a theory that things are going to get really difficult for Christians. Can you see that coming now based solely on what happened yesterday, that really bad news we got yesterday? I think it's a really, really big sign that the American Christian church is about to be in for some hard times. Do you think that that's going to make people stronger or drive people away?
1: I do think you're right that it's going to be open season on Christians. Um, the anti-Christian sentiment is only growing in the past year. There have been, uh, you know, they've been seeding this phrase in all of the media, the mainstream, you know, the the um, the mainstream press and from celebrities and from politicians. There's been this growing sort of white Christian nationalism and Christian nationalism. And they keep using that phrase. They're very much trying to make Christianity um, this... Uh, no, no belief system or some kind of bad belief system. and um, so that is going to happen. But I think that's going to that's just a part of of making it m- more attractive in some ways to the people who are searching for truth. like th- that's the part of the wheat being separate being separated from the the uh, chaff, right? like yeah. that's that's all of the meaningless bullshit woke Christianity stuff is going to fall away. Yep. And this is going to be a strengthening of the – we're going to see who the real believers are. That's what I think, like the real believers. And, and I think people are going to see amazing, amazing things. Like during times of hardship, whether you're talking about on an individual level or on a societal level, there's an opportunity to grow in faith either as an individual – or as a culture and so there's going to be i think culturally a lot of people turning to god and growing in faith because times are going to get hard
0: yeah does that make sense I it know. does it does and i'll tell you why because i was looking at what was going down yesterday and um for everybody who may be listening to this later there was an, a very unfortunate school attack in nashville yesterday incredibly tragic. I would not name the person who committed the crime, um, but they are being defended by the media. And people are like, well, maybe the subjects of the attack shouldn't have been such strong Christians, because we all know that's where the real hatred is coming from, which is just the most heinous. I've been using that word a lot, especially yesterday, because a lot of these takes are really, really bad. Like, Morally because it was evil. a Christian school. It was a Christian yeah. school. It was a Presbyterian school. Yeah. So um I was thinking about how times were going to get harder for Christians. And I was reminded of all of the different verses in the Bible that say in the end times, I don't know if we're in the end times, but it says in the end times, things are gonna get really difficult. Everyone is going to persecute you for your faith, like specifically for believing in this set of beliefs that is held in the Bible. And many people are going to say, I'm not a Christian. I had nothing to do with that. I don't know what you're talking about. And other people will continue to adhere to it. Um, This happened also after Jesus died to many of his disciples. They were very, very persecuted. A lot of them ended up dying for their faith, like across history, probably billions and billions of people have ended up being persecuted for this specific religion and they did not give up on it. They, some of them ended up dying for it. A lot of them ended up dying for it, but I think that at the end of the day, they ended up facing their death with absolute confidence. They're like, I'm going to heaven. It doesn't matter what you do to me here. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think terrifies authoritarians. I think that terrifies yes. tyrants. That they have nothing over you exactly that's why christianity is not a thing i mean it is underground but it's not allowed in china because they know that they can't maintain control over a population that has a god beside the state which i think is exactly where we should be so as we're kind of wrapping this up i have to say that i'm super hopeful for the future and i think that makes people think i'm crazy um but i also know that hard Right. Right. So, <laughs> and, and what is your reasoning for that? Cause I'll tell you my reasoning, but you tell me yours.
1: Well, I mean, it comes from, it comes from my belief system, my Christian, my Christian faith. Like I believe God can use anything for good. And I believe um, the Bible says, uh, you know, my, my pastor just did a series on the Beatitudes. Uh, you know, there's so many verses in the Bible about, Blessed is he who who suffers for righteousness' sake, and one of the things he was talking about is, like you said, all through the Bible it talks about how Christians will suffer for righteousness' sake. And Jesus says, "The world, of course, the world's going to hate you. The world hated me. He was the perfect man, and -hmm. the world hated him. So, of course, you know we're not anywhere close to being perfect. Christians are not, and so of course the world's going to hate us. If they hated the perfect man, and and you know, I just I think that's all a part of god god already knew this in the beginning and the end that all of this is going to happen and and so i kind of feel like i know the end of the movie like i know that everything's going to be a part of god's design and so i'm not that worried with it's it's what you said about if you're a christian like a true sincere believer in christ you don't have authoritarians have nothing over you it's ultimate freedom you have freedom because Death is just death here in the physical world. It's right. not it, it's not gonna they're never gonna prevent you from separation from from God. I've had every once in a while, um, like last fall I remember, I got kind of annoyed with I have a lot of um atheists who are friends who are very open minded, like Clifton, who I mentioned earlier. But there are also some atheists who I'd been letting hang around on my profiles for a bit on Facebook and stuff, who I just got tired of. Sort of the argumentative, hateful atheists. And I finally said, you know what, every time I do a post about my faith or anything about God, I'm not even talking to you, man. I'm talking to the people who want to hear this, who are Christians or maybe questioning, but you always show up and you're always with your, your mocking and your condescension about how your God isn't real. And I'm like, you know what, do you think, do you think that if you just come at me with that scorn and that derision and that attempted social shame for how stupid I am for believing in God? Do you think I'm going to give up the way, the truth and the life, the light? Do you think I'm going to give that up to be a part of your
0: seems miserable fun. Yeah. scoffers parade?
1: No. <laughs> <It's, yeah. laughs> it doesn't matter how many times you do it, man. I'm not giving up the way, the truth and the light to be a part of your socially acceptable scoffing parade. Club. No. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. I don't want any of it. And I guess I'm kind of rambling now. But the point is. When you have the way, the truth, and the light, all of these other things become less important when you can focus on, like, what's really important. All of this. God reminds us constantly. I think prayer is like a way of of being reminded about what's important. Even if you don't believe in God, if you practice prayer, if you practice some kind of like the Stoics do something, I think, where it's like at the end of the day, they talk about what they're grateful for or something, right? It's like that is a way of being mindful and and remembering what's important. I'll tell you this real quick. I know where I'm going. My friend Cameron Pasha is Muslim. He told me the, the Arabic word for prayer literally means to remember. And the Arabic word for human is the creature who forgets. Hmm. And that just gave me chills because that's what prayer is. It's about reminding you about what's important. That's wonderful.
0: So that's why I'm optimistic. That's great. I think that's really, really <laughs> – that's that's a great way to kind of wrap it up too because it is true that – there's certainly something there. It's not identity politics. And I love the point that I want to leave everybody with is that authoritarians have no hold over people who have a belief in something bigger. They can never take it away from you. The only thing they can try to do is torture you psychologically or torture you physically. Nothing they can do can actually shake your connection to the divine, whether you are a Muslim or a Jew or a Christian, whatever your belief is in whatever higher power is going to fasten you like an anchor and nothing can touch you. And that terrifies the tyrants that terrifies the authoritarians. It really does. So I think that (sighs) what practical steps do you think we can take toward building this kind of better future we're looking for? How can we kind of convey these really positive ideas we have? I know you used to have these conversational dinners. Is this something you still do? Is this something you Um, could recommend? That's a really cool idea. Um,
1: I love those. They're called civility dinners. Right. The website still exists. I haven't had them in a while. Um, I do want to bring them back. I'm talking with a friend about bringing them back. I do like those because you come together and you meet people of different beliefs and you have conversation. But really, actually, my answer to that is, is to borrow a phrase from the left, the leftists, the left: "Be the change you want to see in the world." Mm. What does that mean? Well. Don't focus so much on changing the world and some big stuff you can't even control. Focus on changing yourself. That's it. That's what's in your control. Become better. Do better. Like Jordan Peterson says, clean your room. (laughs) I'm using some left phrases on purpose. Do better. Do the work. Do it. But the real work, (laughs) not standing in the street with a protest sign about the climate, uh, but actually, you know, make your bed. Like Jordan Peterson says, Uh, you know, quit drinking. If it's a problem for you. Give up these things that are making you a less, um, a lesser version of what you could be. Do that. Control your little sphere and then everything else flows from that because you know what? The healthier I've gotten, the further I've gotten away from woke, the more people – I'm not even trying. I don't go out. I'm not like an evangelist like, let me tell you the good news. no it just it just will happen organically because people will see a change in you and they'll see a light in you and and there will be people who end up coming to you and telling you you helped me change my life and it's like that's amazing because this person did it for me and who did it for them right like it just happens naturally yeah just get your shit together
0: (laughs) (laughs) inspiring (laughs) So I think, I think that's perfect. And that's a great way to close because I think you're entirely correct. That is how Christianity is supposed to spread. And it's not, it's not through these grandiose movements and it's not even through like, it's not even at like the grassroots level. It starts with you. And that means you have to do some hard work and you have to be humble and you have to be humbled. Yes. So thank you so much for joining me today, Carrie. It was so great to see and talk to you again. It's been a Lydia. really fun conversation. I think it was basically perfect in every way, just because we had <laughs> such great chats. Um, you want to tell everybody where they can find you again and about your super cool event coming up?
1: Yes. Lydia, first of all, I really love talking to you. I have a good feeling about you and I just, anyway, you make me feel good. So thank, <laughs> thank you. thank you. And, um, Sorry if I rambled a bit too much, but I had fun. (laughs) Okay. So yes, April 15th, I'm hosting Minds Fest. Say a prayer for me if you pray, do a push up if you don't, (gasps) because I'm a little nervous about it. I have never hosted an event before. There's a bunch of speakers, there's um, comedians, there's uh, musicians. It's going to be a day of conversation, music, and comedy. And that's going to be at the Vulcan, April 15th. People can get info at minds.com. And then I will say, I forgot to say this at the beginning. On Deprogrammed, we're, you can find me on program with Carrie Smith at, at YouTube. That's where I'm at. But we're trying to do um, some comedy videos now. We're branching out a little. We did our first comedy video. It's called Woke Therapy. Oh, boy. Please go watch it. <laughs> and don't spare me any of your thoughts if you don't think it's funny tell me but if you do think it's funny also tell me <laughs> that's
0: great that sounds so fun i'm gonna have to go check that out now that sounds fantastic we can always use more comedy that's why i appreciate people like chrissy marr and ryan long and everybody but i think that's one of the ways we can get our foot in the door in culture is by engaging with that kind of yes. stuff and not being afraid of it so good for you and jp buck who just recently
1: became a christian
0: very cool how fun oh you know what before I close speaking of people who recently became Christians Ben Shapiro I was just listening to before the show and he was talking about black China did you hear her story? Oh she knows who she is right I don't know her story but okay. It was very, it was a bad story, but she was making bank doing all of this horrible stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And she turned it around. She started dressing like a normal lady and she started like talking about Jesus and all this cool stuff. And I was like, that is amazing. Amazing. No, I'll have to her. Check her out for sure. So I'll leave you with that note. Thank you. Um, (laughs) We will wrap it on that. Everybody go look her up. It's a really neat story. And I will see everybody tomorrow night Uh, we'll see who we talk to tomorrow we're having so much fun talking to everybody thank you so much for joining us carrie thank you lydia thank you until next time bye guys All right. I am so excited for today's conversation because today we have Carrie Smith, who's one of my good friends from this whole culture change revolution type side of things. Um she I attended her wedding a couple of years ago. She is formerly super woke, not anymore. We're going to talk about that for sure too. Carrie has big stuff going on. Carrie, how are you doing and what are you talking about lately? <laughs>
2: It's huge. <laughs>
0: That is amazing. You are doing a lot of stuff and I love all of it. Um, Carrie, your Twitter for deprogrammed is underscore deprogrammed, right? Cool. And then you're at Real Carrie Smith over on Twitter too. Very cool. Well, I am stoked for today because As you said, we've both kind of been through various life stages together, which is always fun to do. That's how the best friendships are forged. We do not talk with each other enough because we are both so busy, but this will be kind of our chance to catch up with each other and we will kind of unpack some of the positive changes we've been seeing because there are some. I know that people have been really focused on the negative, especially since yesterday's horrible events, but there are good things that we're working toward and I think that we are coming up on kind of the collapse of woke culture. What do you think about that? Do you see signs in the cracking of the the ideological capture that we have right now? Or is it only going to get worse before it gets better? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> That's a great observation. That's something I've been saying too. And I'm not sure that people really fully understand what I'm saying when I go on like lives of TikTok's tweets and I'm like, hey, you know what solves this problem of having too much free time and too much potential to focus on oneself? Actual hardship. And we've not faced that in the U.S. in decades. And we've been so lucky. We've been living in such good times, but it's made us very frail and very narcissistic. Even the best of us are much, probably much more self-centered than our great grandparents ever were because we can be. Um, and, and you look at when you give somebody the potential to be self-centered, human beings are fallen. We're flawed. We're very, very, um, susceptible and we're going to go for it. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the way humans are. Now people who are kind of self-aware, are going to stop and say, Hey, am, am I being more self-centered than I should be? But even then, it's very, very hard to stop, right. To actually combat it, especially when it's just you kind of against yourself. Like I was mentioning trauma bonds the other day. And I think that not being familiar with yourself and how you're actually feeling like what you're really responding to, you are a mystery to yourself that you have not fully unpacked. And I think that's happening a lot more than we realize. Um, the other thing I think that we're seeing probably more than we realize that we no longer have a name for is something like guilt. And I don't mean collective guilt. I mean, personal guilt, like feelings that I made the wrong choice and that I affected other people in ways that I don't fully understand. I personally, of course, being strongly pro-life think that a lot of that probably stems from the fact that so many people have gotten abortions that they then They don't process properly and they transfer it to every other part of their life and they never understand where that comes from. And I have a great deal of compassion for that because that's a tough, tough situation to be in. And I, if you are comfortable talking about feminism, I think that a lot of the problem in feminism is that these women have been lied to basically from birth about everything they are and how significant they are and the kind of role they can play. Like, sorry, my cat is here. He's very distracting. He wants to join in. Um, Women have been told that they can and must be everything. So how do we push back on that stuff? And how do we kind of introduce to people the idea that they have to get in touch with who they are in order to make a positive difference in the change, uh, change in the world? And how do we convince them that they need to do that?
2: Sorry, no, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, feminist. Yeah, <laughs> that's a
0: specialty. Yes. <laughs>
2: Yeah.
0: Who? Oh, seriously? What? <laughs> what? She'd make it worse. <laughs> Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. yeah, no, you're not imagining it. Well, they were also told that they could do things like freeze their eggs or they could get a surrogate or whatever. And it's like, so sometimes that works. And when it does, it's great, but that's not one of those things you can depend on. Um, the best way to do it, as is the case with most things, is to do it the way that Nature has done it for thousands of years, which is just the normal way. And that means, you know, finding a a partner early and developing and growing with them and making sure you have shared interests and needs, uh, uh, needs that you can meet for one another. But I think that, yeah, I think that's a great point. I am very disturbed they brought in Lena Dunham, but I think, I was like, what? (laughs) She, didn't she just have, didn't she just have a child? Or was that, am I thinking of Amy Schumer? Oh, I get them so mixed up in my head. Okay. Yeah. I think she's still single and not a very happy person, which is too bad, but definitely not the kind of person that you should be bringing in to talk about, you know, how to make positive life choices when you're getting older as a lady. There is such an interesting movement on the feminist side of the aisle that I've been noticing that gives me a lot of optimism. And that is that women are starting to notice that um, the things that feminism told them that they could do are not true. You can't have it all. It turns out you have to kind of prioritize what you actually want in life, which means you really need to think about it. Um, you need to think through what's really important to you. And I will share this very personal story for myself. When I was twenty. 20- 21 or 22, I actually went to my OB and I said, I would like to have my tubes tied. I don't want to have kids. So I had five siblings and I had helped, functionally helped raise four of them because, you know, when you have that many kids, it's hard to make sure that they're all, you know, given the same amount of attention and everything. And you have to kind of delegate some of the housework, which is exactly what my mom did. No blame there. But by the time I was 21, I was like, I'm not having kids. Never going to happen. I'm never going to change my mind. And my OB said, and I'm not sure if she would say this today, you are too young. You are making the wrong choice too early, or you're making a choice that's just too early. You're going to change your mind. And I was at the time somewhat offended. I was like, oh, I feel somewhat feminist right now, but because I think that that's really unfair for her to say to me, but thank goodness she did say that. Very glad that she wasn't, wasn't willing to bend to my young person's whims. Um, Thankful also that I lived in a conservative city when I was that age, and there was a possibility of getting a doctor who would say that. But I think that having a doctor like that is really kind of a wake up call, or should be a wake up call for young ladies who are like, no, I don't want kids. I'm never going to want kids. For someone older than you to stop you and say, I think you might be making this decision a little bit prematurely. You know, continue to be safe and have the right mindset about having children uh, in the immediate future, but don't make permanent decisions about this right now. Um, I think that's sorely lacking. And I think that having a voice like that, that's just going to actually tell you the truth is super helpful. So the other part of that question was how do we convince these ladies to start paying close attention to what they actually think and feel instead of what society is telling them they should think and feel because, We see a lot of the, oh, you want to work. You want to be a career woman. And a lot of them now are saying no. How can we kind of expedite that? Is there any way to do that? Right? Yeah. That's right.
2: right
0: yeah Yes, I think you might be right. And that's something I've been thinking about too. First of all, you're completely correct about the counterculture now being... A form of pragmatic conservatism where you look at the world and you're like, I think what might actually make me really happy and fulfilled is not just to pursue my own whims and pleasure, but to try to contribute to my community and to try to find a way to have a family um, and to make myself a better person so that I can find a good spouse, Um, And I'm not sure if we're to that point yet, um, but I think that we're getting a little bit closer as people start to kind of notice that outsized narcissism is really not the way forward and ridiculous hedonism is incredibly empty and kind of meaningless at the end of the day. And that's kind of exciting because I think that people are going to notice that and then there will be kind of this pendulum swing in the other direction. I don't want it to maybe go too far the other way, but I think that maybe we could Strike a happy medium, What do you think about that? Are we ever going to find that happy medium <sighs> oh boy. <laughs> Right. So you you attracted what you. Mm. Congratulations. Hmm. Sounds fun. Yeah. Right. Yes. I think you put your finger on it. And one of the things that I was noticing with that headline about how patriotism and desire for family and for all these actually objectively positive things is dropping is people kept asking, what are we replacing it with? And I was thinking, well, we have narcissism and that gives us that temporary high of feeling like I'm the most important thing in the world. Um, you have to listen to what I say about my pronouns. You will address me as such and such, et cetera. Um, I am the center of the world, which is fantastic because I'm so great. I'm perfect. And no one can tell me otherwise. And then you have the hedonism of this pursuit of this wonderful pleasure, all these cool things that we can do in our day and age. But at the end of the day, people do realize that that's not meaning. Like, And that's why I think some of the ladies who are getting into their 40s are like, man, I should have thought about maybe having a family and I should have thought about getting married. And it's that's so hard. It's hard to watch because you're like, man, I could have told you that. Um, but But that's the other thing too, is that you can't make someone realize this. Like they kind of have to figure it out on their own terms, which is hard. I know it's hard to watch sometimes. Like I have brothers, so I, I am familiar with the concept of letting people figure things out for themselves. Like my family's very stubborn, exceedingly hard headed and it's good. It's great for some things. And then for the rest of life, it's like, wow, you really had to learn that the hard way. But you know what? It's the way people learn. <laughs>
2: Right. (laughs) Same. (laughs)
0: Right, <laughs> they have to. <laughs> yeah. What is the reason exactly? Yep, yep, whoops, <laughs> now I know.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the reason that it is prescribed for marriage is because you want to strengthen that bond. You shouldn't take something that's going to strengthen that bond and then do it with whoever. That's such a terrible practice. And I'm optimistic. I'm, I don't see it happening anytime soon, but I think that people are going to start to notice that maybe sex is better when you don't do it all the time with everything that moves. Hopefully it's gonna be a while, I'm pretty sure, on that one. But so you mentioned, okay, so I want to go back to this a little bit. You mentioned the looking at these different kind of churches. Now, when Andy and I first started talking about like the role of spirituality in our in our lives and the importance for our culture to be spiritual and to be focused on some kind of higher power, we went to a bunch of different ones too. We went to a Quaker church. That was really interesting really interesting. Um, I think it was Benjamin Franklin who went to a Quaker meeting and he he didn't know what to expect and he ended up falling asleep. We didn't know what to expect either. So when you go to a Quaker meeting, you sit in silence. It's great it's really an interesting experience because you can, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but when it comes to Quaker time, you're going to go and you're going to chill and you're going to support each other as a community. You're going to listen to each other's concerns and triumphs, and you're going to listen to whatever they have to say about, you know, the world, that kind of their experience of it. But for the most part, you're just going to be quiet. And I found that so interesting and yep you sit in a room and you're just kind of meditating or whatever, yeah, but there's no like prescription for that. You can do exactly as you see fit, um, and I wanted to just like read my Bible or something, but I was like, no, I feel like we're here now. we should focus just on you know observing the room. It was a really nice summer day. the windows were open, and everything it was very peaceful. I was like I feel like everyone would kind of benefit from doing this kind of thing. Um but that was my experience with that and then Andy has a background with like visiting, you know, Buddhist monasteries or whatever and that's really interesting too. We ended up settling so I was raised in the Presbyterian Church. Um so we ended up with one of those here because that's what I'm familiar with. And they strike me right now as like the most conservative and the most focused on what's actually taught in the Bible, which is awesome. Um, what kind of church did you go to? Sorry, pardon my cat once again. <laughs> Hello, would you like to contribute? Thank you. Uh, what kind of churches did you go- end up going to? And then what did you learn from that? And what did you settle on?
2: Interesting, yeah. Yeah.
0: Right, that's great. Yeah. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah, I got to visit your church. It was a really, really neat experience. Everyone was so nice. Yeah, so warm. That was like, I think the day after your wedding, I got to go, which was a lot of fun. And I appreciated being invited. But it's so wonderful that you were able to like reconnect with this actual true Identity as a human being, and I think that part of the reason that we're part of the reasoning we're seeing for this war on religion and true faith is that I think the people who are behind the ideological warfare we're seeing realize that if people were in tune with some of these core beliefs that you can find very clearly outlined in Christianity, they would want nothing to do with this kind of fake hollow identity and stuff. Um, and that's something I feel at our church too. I'm like, what we see there so exceedingly transcends politics and all this current events stuff. It's like, it's so refreshing. It's like, there's a focus on the fact that we're sinners and the fact that God cares about us and he's going to guide us in the right ways. If we'll listen to him, we just need to focus on listening to him and trying to follow him more fully um, and learning about Jesus and what he did as a, a pastor and everything. It's it's so such a relief to be outside of this culture war stuff and to just be focused on these beliefs that built the West. Um, I think that most people who discard Christianity so flippantly don't fully understand that the reason that they're able to live in such a free society and discard religion and Christianity so so out of hand is because our culture is built on Christianity, right? All of these principles. I'm like, well, and, and people have made this argument against like Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris they are like, you know, the only reason that you're allowed to say these things is because you live in a society that is based on something you claim to hate. So I think we should keep that in mind for sure. But at the same time, I do think they should be free to say it. I think that all ideas should be welcome because good ideas actually will win. Um, So in that regard, I'm super optimistic about where we're at right now. I like, I feel like people are going to have kind of the same revelation you had where you're like, it's not about my superficial identitarian, you know, who I am as a, a female or, you know, fill in the blank. Um, my other identity, um, as you would probably call it, identity crisis checkboxes, because that is what we're having. Like it's all about identity. Yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing else, but we, we can see how shallow that is. So do you think people are going to start going to church in mass or is the church too kind of far off in the weeds? Cause I have some com- complaints about the church for sure.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so bad. It's horrible. no, (laughs) no way. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It is. It's troubling. It really is. Like that's, sorry, go on. Yeah. <laughs> they are f- That's right. It is. Yeah? Yeah. No, I am exactly, I'm in the same boat. Like this is what I was looking for. And the reason that we go to the church that I was raised in right now is because they don't put up with any of that. Uh, Carrie, they don't even have female pastors. They are serious. They're serious about this. Like I, right. And I, I feel like, I feel like that might sound exclusionary, but at the same time, that's something the Bible says to do. And they are, they're kind of the, the kind of church that's like, you know what? doesn't have to make perfect sense. It doesn't have to be fully modern. If the Bible says that's what we're supposed to do, that's what we're going to do. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah. You know,
0: <laughs> Right. 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 Well, who knows what? Else, what? Who knows what else we find out down the road? Hey, you know what? There really is a reason that we shouldn't do that. You know, I, I, I think that if you are like you were saying, if you are a Christian, then part of what's going to inform the way you respond to things is simply faith and you don't have to fully explain it which is a load off because we can't always explain everything um and that's always going to be the case so we just need to come to terms with that now faith isn't necessarily blind but it is the understanding that you're not going to know everything that's going into everything but that's okay you can trust that god has your best interest at heart because as you were saying earlier he knew you before you know you were knit together in the womb and it's 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 very freeing in a way that I think that the the left, the the very woke left is fighting so hard against it because if people knew how freeing it was to realize that you don't have to understand everything, that you don't have to be able to explain everything, you can have faith and you can trust that the person who created you cares about what you're going through on a micro level, like on the most personal level imaginable. People would not want anything to do with leftism. And when I go to church, it's like, thank goodness there is not wokeness here because if there was, it would feel just like the rest of the world, but it doesn't. And it's, it's, it's very freeing. It's like, Hey, you know what? I feel like I can actually focus on trying to get to the heart of life and truth. And I think that objectivity is going to be what saves the church. Do you think there's enough of that left in the American church to actually attract people to it? You think so? Yeah. Hmm. Right.
2: No, yeah.
0: (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially when you're working out, especially if you're doing cardio, for one thing, you have a little bit of free time to let your mind wander. But yeah, there's that feeling when you go to a church for someone who's truly looking, there's this feeling that there's something here. And I'm not sure what it is, but it's something that transcends all the various ways that humans can muck up religion because I will be the first to admit that people can really get it wrong and I saw a little bit of that because I was I was raised super conservative very grateful that it prevented me from ever ending up in a public school and from ever being abused which incredibly grateful for but I also felt that it kind of hampered my development a little way a little bit because I wasn't you know really engaging with the culture in a way that would now for example allow me to engage much better with my peers and make good friends and all that good stuff but Still grateful. And I can see how it could have been twisted to kind of give people a hard time when they were growing up. I saw a lot of that when I saw kids leaving homeschooling. They were like, I remember there was a lot of vitriol toward Matt Walsh of all people, even back then in like 2010, 2011. I was like, who's Matt Walsh? They're like, we hate him. And I was like, what? what are you talking about? You're just, you know, there There was a certain group of people that would leave conservatism and just have this insane reaction to it. Like super big backlash, drugs, drinking, parties, everything that they had been denied. I was more like, that stuff doesn't seem very fun. I'm going to try to find a job get my own apartment. That'd be really fun to all this ridiculously responsible stuff, which now sounds to most people probably super boring. But Yeah, so it's like, I think that when you find a church that is fully engaged with actually trying to pursue God, even if they're not doing it perfectly, you can tell there's something there. And the people there are kind of awake and alert and paying attention and really trying to puzzle out where the good is and how to push back on the bad. So you do think that the American church can be salvaged. I personally have a theory that things are going to get really difficult for Christians. Can you see that coming now? Based solely on what happened yesterday, that really bad news we got yesterday, I think it's a really, really big sign that the American Christian church is about to be in for some hard times. Do you think that that's going to make people stronger or drive people away? yeah yep Yeah, it does. It does. And I'll tell you why, because I was looking at what was going down yesterday. And um, for everybody who may be listening to this later, there was a very unfortunate school attack in Nashville yesterday incredibly tragic. I would not name the person who committed the crime, um, but they are being defended by the media. And people are like, well, maybe the subjects of the attack shouldn't have been such strong Christians, because we all know that's where the real hatred is coming from, which is just the most heinous. I've been using that word a lot, especially yesterday, because a lot of these takes are really, really bad, like morally evil, it was a Christian school. It was a Presbyterian school. Yeah. So um I was thinking about how times were going to get harder for Christians. And I was reminded of all of the different verses in the Bible that say, in the end times, I don't know if we're in the end times, but it says in the end times, things are gonna get really difficult. Everyone is going to persecute you for your faith, like specifically for believing in this set of beliefs that is held in the Bible. And many people are going to say I'm not a Christian. I had nothing to do with that. I don't know what you're talking about. And other people will continue to adhere to it. Um, this happened also after Jesus died to many of his disciples. They were very, very persecuted. A lot of them ended up dying for their faith. Like across history, probably billions and billions of people have ended up being persecuted for this specific religion. And they did not give up on it. They, Some of them ended up dying for it. A lot of them ended up dying for it. But I think that at the end of the day, they ended up facing their death with absolute confidence. They're like, I'm going to heaven. It doesn't matter what you do to me here, Um, which I think terrifies authoritarians. I think that terrifies tyrants. That's exactly. That's why Christianity is not a thing. I mean, it is underground, but it's not allowed in China because they know that they can't maintain control over a population that has a God beside the state, which I think is exactly where we should be. So as we're kind of wrapping this up, I have to say that I'm super hopeful for the future. And I think that makes people think I'm crazy. Um, but I also know that hard, right, right. So, and, and what is your reasoning for that? Cause I'll tell you my reasoning, but you tell me yours. Yeah. It knows. Right. Mhm. Right? Right. That seems fun. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Pity parties club. Yeah. Hmm. That's wonderful. That's great. I think that's really, really, that's that's a great way to kind of wrap it up too, because it is true that there's certainly something there. It's not identity politics. And I love the point that I want to leave everybody with is that authoritarians have no hold over people who have a belief in something bigger. They can never take it away from you. The only thing they can try to do is torture you psychologically or torture you physically. Nothing they can do can actually shake your connection to the divine, whether you are a Muslim or a Jew or a Christian, whatever your belief is in whatever higher power is going to Fasten you like an anchor, and nothing can touch you. And that terrifies the tyrants. That terrifies the authoritarians. It really does. So, I think that (sighs) what practical steps do you think we can take toward building this kind of better future we're looking for? How can we kind of convey these really positive ideas we have? I know you used to have these conversational dinners. Is this something you still do? Is this something you could recommend? Because that's a really cool idea. Right. Hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: Inspiring. (laughs) So I think, I think that's perfect. And that's a great way to close because I think you're entirely correct. That is how Christianity is supposed to spread. And it's not, it's not through these grandiose movements and it's not even through like, it's not even at like the grassroots level. It starts with you. And that means you have to do some hard work and you have to be humble And you have to be humbled. So thank you so much for joining me today, Carrie. It was so great to see and talk to you again. It's been a really fun conversation. I think it was basically perfect in every way, just because we had such great chats. Um, You want to tell everybody where they can find you again and about your super cool event coming up? (laughs) Oh, thank you. You were great. (laughs) It's going to be fun. Oh boy. <laughs> that's great. That sounds so fun. I'm going to have to go check that out now. That sounds fantastic. We can always use more comedy. That's why I appreciate people like Chrissy Marr and Ryan Long and everybody. But I think that's one of the ways we can get our foot in the door in culture is by engaging with that kind of stuff and not being afraid of it. So good for you. Very cool. How fun. Oh, you know what? Before I close, speaking of people who recently became Christians, Ben Shapiro, I was just listening to before the show and he was talking about Black China. Did you hear her story? She used to be a stripper, right? It was very, it was a bad story, but she was making bank doing all of this horrible stuff, right? And she turned it around. She started dressing like a normal lady and she started like talking about Jesus and all this cool stuff. And I was like, that is amazing. And I'm so glad. Check her out for sure. So I'll leave you with that note. Um, We will wrap it on that. Everybody go look her up. It's a really neat story. And I will see everybody tomorrow night. Uh, we'll see who we talk to tomorrow. We're having so much fun talking to everybody. Thank you so much for joining us, Carrie. All right. Thank you. Until next time. Bye guys.